This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Join with me, please, as we read some verses from Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. I want to begin reading at verse 27 and uh, read through, down through verse 37 and then skip over to verse 45 and read a few more verses. This is the, how can I say it? The most awesome story found in the scriptures the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Stand with me, please, as we read these verses. We'll begin at verse 27, as I've said. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall, gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on, put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had planted a, thorn, a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head, and a reed in his hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! They spat upon him and took a reed and smote him on the head. And after that they mocked him, and they took the road off of him and put on raiment on, put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto the place called Golgotha, that is the place, that is to say the place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be filled, fulfilled which is spoken by the prophet, they parted my garments among themselves, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set upon over his head this accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And then there were two thieves crucified with him. Verse 45. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard this said, this man called for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave it him to drink. The rest said, let be. Let us see whether Elias will come and save him. And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was written twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were open and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the grave after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion 
And they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done. They feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. And many women were there beholding afar off and following Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's children. And when the evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciples. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus, and then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. Our Father, our hearts truly are heavy today because you had to suffer such because of us. Lord, we're not worthy of the least of your love and your favors. It is is we, God, who should have hung there. It is we that should have borne that pain, suffering. But you chose to do it for us that you might be our Redeemer and save us from our sins. And Father, today we thank Thee, even though, God, we've already in this service called it a dark day in history. But Lord, when we look at it in the light of the gospel, it's a light day. It's a a day of light. And uh, we thank You, God, for loving us enough to send Your Son to be our Savior. And that while He suffered, on our behalf, we can now enjoy eternal life. I pray you to bless this message tonight. Father, help me as I preach it. I pray, Lord, for the filling of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Someone wrote that Jesus Christ was reared in a carpenter's shop. And yet, when about 30 years of age, he gave the world a code of morality, the likes of which the world has never seen before, the likes of which the world has never seen since. And then he was put to death. He was nailed to a cross in shame. And those that follow him were scattered and killed. And then from that little beginning, his religion spread until hundreds of millions have taken his name upon their lips. And millions have been ready to die rather than to surrender the faith that he put in their hearts. Who is Jesus? He's the divine, virgin-born Son of God, the sinless Savior of mankind. And the miracle work of Galilee. And on Easter Sunday, we will acknowledge him as the resurrected Son of God. But today I want us to know him as the crucified Redeemer of sinners. Jesus' death was real. The reality of his death is important, but it's often questioned and sometimes denied. In fact, denied by many. His death is attacked because if he did not die, if he did not die, his resurrection 
would also be a great lie. Hugh J. Schoenfield, who is a so-called British Bible scholar, wrote a book entitled The Passover Plot. And in that book, he argued that while on the cross, Jesus took a drug that, was, that rendered him unconscious and made him appear dead when he was taken down. He was on the cross only three hours, though ordinarily it took days for a man to die from the agony and exhaustion of crucifixion. This is a popular teaching even today called the swoon theory. It denies the death of Jesus. His proponents say that Jesus never actually died on the cross. He only fainted. He was placed in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, as we've already read, still alive and was revived by the coolness of the tomb. Did Jesus really die? The Bible says he did. In John chapter 19, it says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Both Matthew and Luke confirmed that in their records. He gave up the ghost. His spirit left his body. This is only another way of saying that he died, not merely swooned. He didn't fake his death. His death was real. In Mark 15, we're told that Joseph of Arimathea went boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus, and Pilate marveled if he were already dead. And calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been many, uh, any while dead. And when he, knew it was of the, when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph for burial. Before Pilate would release the body of Jesus Christ to Joseph, he demanded proof that he was dead. He called for the centurion that had been at the crucifixion and had witnessed the whole thing and asked him if Jesus had been, was indeed dead. And the centurion assured Pilate that he was dead and only when Pilate was convinced that he died, he released our Lord's body for burial. In an article that appeared in the Journal of the American Medical Association in March of 1986, we, we read this. It's an interesting statement. Clearly, the weight of historical and medical evidence indicates that Jesus was dead before the wound to his side was inflicted and supports the traditional view that the spear thrust through the right ribs properly perf perforated, perforated not only the right lung, but also the pericardium and the heart, and therefore ensured his death. Accordingly, this article said, interpretations based on the assumption that Jesus did not die on the cross that appear to be at odds with modern medical knowledge. It's interesting, isn't it? That even the medical profession said Jesus was dead. When the Bible states that Jesus died, he actually died. He died a real death. He didn't fake it. He was not drugged. His disciples were not mistaken. His death was not only real. But in horror, we have to also acknowledge that Jesus' death was ruthless. A ruthless death. In Matthew 27, we read that Pilate delivered him 
to the people to be crucified, and Jesus was taken to a place called Golgotha, and there he was crucified. Death by crucifixion was horrible, cruel, brutal, merciless, and a ruthless way to die. It was the common form of capital punishment in Jesus' day. Thousands were put to death by crucifixion. In 1968, a team of archaeologists discovered, on, uh, in four, discovered in four cave tombs just north of Jerusalem 15 vaults which contained the bones of 35 human beings. The skeletons were examined by specialists who found that nine of the 35 had met violent deaths by various means. But one for certain had died by crucifixion. The name Johanahan was inscribed on his vault. It was estimated that he had been between the ages of 24 and 28 when he was crucified. And what they found gave us much insight into what, was, what, uh, what, has been, what it was like for Jesus to have been crucified. That report states, and I quote, The lower third of his right radial bone contained a groove that was probably caused by the friction between a nail and the bone. And hence his arm was nailed to the cross through the forearms. The legs had been pressed together, bent and twisted, so that the calves were parallel to the upright of the cross. The feet were secured to the cross by one iron nail driven simultaneously through both heels, the right foot above the left. His legs were fractured by a forceful blow from a massive weapon, shattering the right shin to slivers and fracturing the left ones. The breaking of legs was often done to speed up the death of the one being crucified. Dr. C. Truman Davis, a graduate of the University of Tennessee College of Medicine, and also a pastor, wrote an article entitled, A Physician Analyzes the Crucifixion. He gave us a graphic description of the death of Jesus Christ. First, he describes the scourging. Get a load of this. The Roman legionnaire stripped, uh, stepped forward with a flagellum in his hand. This was a short whip consisting of several heavy leather throngs with two small balls of lead attached to, uh, near the ends of each. The heavy whip was brought down with full force again and again and again across Jesus' shoulders, back, and legs. At first, the weighted throng cut through the skin only. And then as the blows continued, they cut deeper into the tissue, producing first an oozing of blood from the capillaries and the veins of the skin, and finally spurting arterial blood from vessels in the underlying mus muscles. And finally, the skin of the back was hanging in long ribbons, and the entire area was an unrecognizable mass of torn, bleeding tissue. When it was determined by the centurion in charge that the prisoner was near death, the beating was finally stopped. But the crucifixion began. Simon was ordered to place the cross on the ground, and Jesus was quickly thrown backwards with his shoulders against the wood. The legionnaire drove a heavy 
square wrought iron nail through the wrist, each of each hand deep into the wood. The cross was then lifted in place at the top of the vertical beam, and a small sign reading Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, was nailed into place. The left foot was pressed backwards against the right foot with both feet extended, toes down, and nailed, and a nail was driven through the arch of each, leaving the ankles moderately flexed. As Jesus slowly sagged down with more weight on the nails in the wrists, excruciating fiery pain shot along the fingers and up the arms to explode in the brain. The nails of the wrist were, were putting pressure on the median nerve, large nerve trunks which traversed the mid-wrist of the hand. As he pushed himself forward to avoid the stretching torment, he placed his full weight on the nail through, the, through his feet. And again, there was a searing agony as the nail tore through the nerves between the bones of his feet. At this point, another phenomenon occurred. As his arms fatigued, great waves of cramps swept over the muscles, knotting them in deep, relentless, throbbing pain. With those cramps came the and became the came the inability to push himself upward. Hanging by the arm, the large muscles of the chest were paralyzed. Jesus fought to raise himself in order to get even a short breath. He suffered hours of limitless pain, cycles of twisting, joint-rending cramps, intermittent partial asphyxiation and searing pain as tissue was torn from the lacerated back from his movement up and down against the rough timbers of the cross. Then another agony began, a deep crushing pain in the chest as the pericardium, the sac surrounding the heart, slowly filled with serum and began to compress the heart. The end was rapidly approaching, the loss of tissue fluids was, was reaching a critical level. The compressed heart was, was struggling to pump heavy, thick, sluggish blood to the tissues. And the tortured lungs were making a frantic effort to inhale small gulps of air. Crucifixion was the worst form of punishment ever known to mankind. And as I read this description, my heart just broke, realizing that Jesus suffered all that on the cross for me. I couldn't help this afternoon as I was going over this message just to break out in tears, to realize that God loved me enough to send his son to suffer all that. I can't fathom that. That's beyond the scope of my understanding. I don't know why someone would do that for me. But Jesus did. It was not just that Jesus died. He died by crucifixion. His death was ruthless, horrible, an agonizing death. Jesus' death was real, and it was ruthless, but we have to tonight thank God that Jesus' death 
was redemptive. The hymn written by Paul Gerhardt says it well. What thou, my Lord, hast suffered was all for sinners' gain. Mine, mine was the transgression, but thine the deadly pain. Lo, here I fell, my Savior. Tis I desire thy place. Look on me with thy favor and vouchsafe to me thy grace. By his death, the Lord Jesus Christ paid the price for sin and provided the way for sinners to be redeemed from their sins and receive eternal life. By the shedding of his blood, he made atonement for the sins of the whole world. There was nothing accidental about the death of our Savior. His Father ordained it before the foundation of the world. He came to this earth for the purpose of dying for sinners like you and me. Even when he stood before Pilate, he said, To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. He was born to die to make atonement for our sins. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Rome, said this. He said, When we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can you imagine that? There was nothing in us of worth of any good, of any count. And yet Jesus went to the cross and died, shed his blood, so that you and I can be here tonight. And you and I can have the assurance in our hearts and the lives that we have eternal life and one day we'll be in his presence. We often sing that song face to face. I hope you're looking forward to seeing your Savior. What a wonderful thing. Note very carefully why Jesus died. He died for us. He died to make atonement for our sins. And when we speak of atonement, we're describing the effects of the death of Jesus Christ. And now through his death, he removed the penalty of sin from those of us who seek him. Jesus died in our place. He paid the price for our sin. He removed the penalty and the guilt of our sin for all, of, uh, for all who have trusted in him and placed their faith in him and in his finished work on the cross. You understand this, my dear friend? Well, that, that's what Jesus did for you. Do you understand that? When he died on the cross, he took your sins. And they were nailed there to the cross with him. His death was real. It was ruthless. But praise the Lord, it was a redeeming, eternal death. An atoning death. The hymn I quoted a few moments ago was taken from the second century Latin poem and it was translated into German by Paul Gerhardt in the 1600s. In 1830, Alexander w. Alex, uh, James W. Alexander, a godly minister, translated it into English. Old sacred head now wounded is a wonderful tribute to the suffering Savior and his redemptive saving work on the cross. 
There's a total of 11 stanzas, most of which are not included in most hymn books. There's only three of those stanzas in ours. But listen how it describes Christ's redeeming work on the cross. O sacred head now wounded, with grief and shame weighed down, now scornfully surrounded with thorns, thine only crown. How pale thou art with anguish, with sore abuse and, and scorn. How dost that visage ling languish which once was bright as morn? My burden in thy passion, Lord, thou hast borne for me. For it was my transgression which brought this woe on thee. I cast me down before thee. Wrath were my right lot. Have mercy, I implore thee, Redeemer, spurn me not. The words of this great hymn graphically describe what happened on Good Friday 2,000 years ago. It was a dark day indeed. It was a dark day to Jesus' followers. Their lives were shattered. Their leader was dead. They had been told, and they should have known it, but their hearts and their minds didn't comprehend it. It was not the end. It was not the tragic event that they thought. Sunday was coming. The grave was not going to remain silent. Sunday was coming. And my dear friend, if you and I have heard the message from the open tomb on Easter Sunday morning, that Easter Sunday morning, he is not here, for he is risen. Then we can sing together the last stanza of Gerhardt's hymn. Here it is. What language shall I borrow to thank thee, dearest friend? For this thy dying sorrow, thy pity without end, O oh, make me thine forever. And should I fainting be, Lord, let me never, never outlive my love to you, to thee. Father God, thank you so much for what you've done for us. Unworthy sinners, deserving of hell, deserving of the judgment that was poured out on Calvary. That's us. But what words can we utter tonight? What can we think in our heart? What, what could we bring together in our mind, God, that would give thee the proper praise for what you've done for us? There's not a person in this building tonight, Lord, that doesn't deserve to go to hell. We deserve those flames. We fell short of your glory. We, we have offended you in so many ways at so many times. And yet you loved us. You loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. And that wonderful hymn we sang tonight and heard the hymn story for it. The old rugged cross. Thank you for it. Thank you for saving us. Thank you, Lord, for bearing the shame and the agony of the cross so we can have eternal life. I thank you in Jesus' name.
Amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's Word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.